delighted that you are here with us at McCoinsville. If you are visiting, we always encourage you to come back and be with us any opportunity that you possibly can. Um, again, it's always good to see visitors come our way uh, this morning, and uh, we are thankful that you are present with us today. So it's always good to come together in the house of the Lord, to be able to sing together, pray together, to worship in spirit and in truth, and to study God's word this morning. We talked last week about for what should we pray? Prayer is a very important part of our life, or it should be uh, a very important part of your life, my life as well. We should teach our children to pray. We often, uh, growing up in our home, we allowed our, um, our children to pray at uh, bedtime and uh, for our meal without Micah to lead and uh, those things as well. Um, they had a good mother to teach them uh, to pray as well. So it's very important that we teach our children to pray, but it's most important as well as we as adults in our lives to this very day know how to pray. Uh, for our men who are leading public prayers, for our young men who are learning how to lead public prayers, it's very important to know for what should we pray for. Last week, if you remember, we looked at uh, God's will be done. As we should always include that in our prayers. Um, we, asked, we also talked about the daily necessities of life. Not just necessarily thanking God for those, but asking for the continued blessings. Uh, God is always good to give what we ask. Uh, he said, I, I will give it if only you'll ask. Um, so we are required to do that. We should pray for forgiveness of sin, if you remember. Um, in many of our prayers, we have that in there. We should always pray for forgiveness of sin in our private and public prayers uh, as well so that sin can be removed uh, from our lives. But two, we must sincerely mean that, shouldn't we? Uh, but also, we looked at pray... Um, uh, necessity of life, pray forgiveness of sins, uh, God's will be done, and God's help. You know, we need God's help in our life. And that's where we're going to start today, is God's help. We, as we look at the passage that we had last week, if you remember Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. The very last verse in 13 of that passage, or next to the uh, third one from the bottom, it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You see, we need to understand that there's an evil one that is seeking you and I and seeking our souls to have us engage in things that are not godly. If you go on over in the book of Matthew in chapter 26, 
and verse 41. The scripture reads, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, that describes us. A lot of times in our situations, we are willing to do what's right. We want to do what's right. We want to make the right decision. We know what's right. We've been taught by our parents, and you've heard lessons and, and class time as we engage this morning with our children and, and adults as well. You've been taught, and we want to do what's right. But notice that scripture. He says, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation because the spirit indeed is willing. We want to do it. But what did he say? The flesh is weak. Our fleshly side sometimes overcomes us. And we say, oh, well, I, I, can, I can give forgiveness of it or uh, it's not that bad or I, I, I just want to do it this one time or I, I want to enjoy life. You see, the fleshly side of us gets us, doesn't it? But see, we need God's help and we should pray for God's help. God, help us to be more spiritual people. Help us to be more godly people. Help us to know your ways and your will for us. And we need a continuance of prayer for God's help. You know, in 2 Peter 2 and verse 9, it says, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to, to rescue the unjust until the day of judgment to be punished. You see, the Lord knows how to deliver us. But we've got to ask for deliverance. You're very familiar with, with the scripture that he says he will always provide a way of escape. And in our passage this morning, he talked about meeting the, the necessary needs of people in our, in our scripture reading this morning. You see, we need to ask for God's help in those things. This is a time of year, it was just prayed just a moment ago, that we're about Thanksgiving. And I like how Brother Jason put it in, into perspective. He says, the time that the world celebrates Thanksgiving and the thought of being thankful because we as Christians should be what? Thankful every day. Not just one time of the year. But we should be praying for God's help to help us to be able to meet others' needs. Looking for opportunities to help people. There's a lot of people in this world that need help physically. But most of all, spiritually, and we're going to talk about that just in a moment. But we need to ask for God's help. You know, our Lord in Matthew 26, you know, he talks about those things. Acts 13 and 1 through 3, they prayed before sending Paul and Barnabas into uh, the Gentiles, if you remember. And James, in James chapter 5 and 13, he says, pray for those who are suffering. 
And we're also told not to be anxious for nothing. We're not to worry. Philippians 4 and verse 6, we, we need not to worry. Don't be anxious in these things. Ask God for help. And you know the thing is, is, is when we ask God for help, we need to believe that God is going to help us. We need to believe that. We don't need to pray in vain and say, well, I'm going to pray. They say this works. The preacher says I need to do this. But we need to pray with a strong faith and belief that God is going to fix the problem and be willing to accept what comes. Not necessarily as well, it doesn't work out the way I wanted it to work out, so I ain't praying no more. Sometimes that's the mentality of people, isn't it? I'm not going to pray anymore. I asked God to, to fix this major problem in my life, and, and, and he didn't. The problem's still there, and it's even worse than what it was. You know, that may be God's way of trying to help you understand, increase your faith, or help you understand that all things are, are not always going to work the way we want them to work. It may be God's way of trying to fix that situation or that, that person that's engaged in that situation. And we need to understand that. But we need to believe without a shadow of a doubt that God is going to help us. When we're sick and when we've got things going on in our lives, we need to believe and pray. You know, I could list you a long, long list of things that I prayed for throughout my life that did not work out what I asked for. Didn't work out that way. But I'm going to tell you what, later on, I realized that's the way God wanted to work out. And now I know why. And, but there's some other that I still don't know and I won't know until if ever I get to ask in, in heaven. <laughs> but I trust that God knew what was best for me and my family. But we need to pray for God's help in our prayers. We should pray for the preachers of the gospel. Many times prayers are uttered just like this morning on the behalf of myself. And I, I'm thankful for those prayers. I, I, I need prayers. I, I, mean, I ask you to pray for me every day. Because I'm weak. I'm weak. Yes, I got some things figured out. And yes, I'm a, I'm a mature Christian. I consider myself a mature Christian. But I'm still weak in some things. And I need the help. And I need to be a better preacher. I pray that every morning. Help me be a better preacher and a better minister and a better understanding of your word so that I can break it to the other people. We need those prayers in our family text group that we have going on with our children and their significant others. Every day, my wife has been putting something in there for us to respond back to about being thankful. Ever since November 1. And one of the things that she put in there the other day, one day last week, or I guess it was last week, thankful for our preachers 
and our elders and our deacons. And one of the comments that she put in there was this. We're thankful for what they do and how they do it, but how they open themselves up for public criticism. Because you know what? If you're leading in the Lord's church or if you're leading in any capacity at work or whatever, you're going to be criticized. You're going to be criticized. Because people don't always agree with what you say or what the Bible says. It's okay if people disagree with what I say. So with that said, we should pray for the preachers of the gospel. In the book of Romans in chapter 15 and verse 30. Paul here in this passage solicits prayers. Because he knows there's going to be some criticism. He knows he's going to have to go to prison. He knows that he's in prison. He knows all these things. And he says, I need your prayers. I need your prayers. In the book of Colossians in chapter 4, Paul again, Paul knew the importance of prayer. He had seen it work in his life too much. And just like us in our lives, we've seen it work in our lives. And again, in Colossians 4 and verse 2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving without praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. Now he says, pray for me. Pray for the work. We prayed for the missionaries a while ago. Cross the brotherhood. That we should open doors. You see, we need to be praying for that in our own private prayers and our public prayers. Because again, when a young, a young man or a man is in this, this spot here praying, we are praying publicly together. And when those things, if we're going to lead prayers that, you know, are what they need to be, we need to include these things and things. And again, these things should be on our heart. Let me throw that in there. You see, prayers are not just something that we take and memorize or we just say, well, I'm going to get up here and say this every time I get up there. It's something, things that are on your heart. But if your heart's right, you're going to have these things in your heart. And you're going to be speaking from the heart. So we should pray for the, the preachers of the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 25 and 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 1. Brethren, pray for us. Pray for us that the, the, the word might have a free course. Paul was asking. Doors will be open. How many times do you pray? Lord, God, would you please open doors for me today to help people? Will you please provide me opportunities to, to teach someone the, the true gospel? Now, I'm going to be honest with you this morning. I've prayed for a lot of you individually. When times I've seen certain ones fall away, not as faithful, or maybe I see something coming that if, if something, you know, so if that don't change, there's going to be a problem. 
And I began praying for you. And a lot of you are here sitting in this pulpit today, not just because I prayed for you, because a lot of people prayed for you. But opportunities to help people and our, our preachers to be able to preach the gospel. So not only should we pray for God's help, preachers of the gospel, we should pray for earthly rulers. Earthly rulers. Those who are in authority. In the book of 1 Timothy, in chapter 2, in verses 1 and 2, the Bible speaks and says to us, this, to this, listen to this. I exhort you, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for just those who are in the Lord's church. Is that what that says? No. It says what? For all men, even the ones we don't agree with. For kings and for all that are in authority or high places, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty or gravity, one version puts it. We should pray for our earthly rulers. <clears throat> Why is that? Go over to Romans chapter 13. You mean I've got to pray for our president even though I didn't vote for him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. You have a responsibility to pray. You mean I've got to pray for our governor or for our mayor? or for our... I don't even like the old scandal. Well, God said pray for them. Now notice this in the book of Romans chapter 13. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are what? Ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation or judgment. And you can go on in verse, verse 3 there. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. We should pray for our earthly rulers. You see, God has appointed. He's allowed these people to be in their places. And we must be in subjection to these and the laws of the land unless they contradict the word of God. You see, we need to understand that. We need to understand that we should pray for them. I've often heard prayers say that we pray for our leaders and, and the rulers of our country and other countries in the world Uphold them in the things they do good, but defeat them in the things they do wrong. See, there's nothing wrong with that. Things that are contrary to your will. And we've gained some of those things in our government. 
The overturn of Roe versus Wade. We've made some gains. And we're going to make more gains. But if we don't, God's still in control. And we still have a responsibility to pray for these rulers. We should pray for our earthly rulers. We should pray for the welfare of the city or the place where we live. When you go to the book of Jeremiah, and you read, let's see, in chapter 29, I believe it is. In 29 of Jeremiah, in verses 4 through 7, the people are being taken away into captivity. And I want you to know and notice what Jeremiah says here. All things are bad. All things are lost, pretty much. They've continued to rebel against God, and God has continued to bring them back and do all these things, but now the rebellion has just continued and continued, and now they're being taken away. Notice what he says in chapter 4, in verse 7. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, and to all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. He says, build your houses, dwell in them and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city. Whither I have caused you to be carried away captives and pray unto the Lord for, for it. For in the peace thereof shall you have peace. You see, something we need to include in our prayers is the welfare and the peace of not only our place where we live, but for the world as well. You see, the captives were to pray for Babylon. A place where they were being taken away and carried away from their homes. And we see that Jeremiah, through God, had caused the captives to be carried away. Why? Because God made that judgment, didn't he? Jeremiah warned them and warned them and warned them and warned them. Here comes the judgment. His judgment's going to come if you don't change. And God allowed them to be carried away. But he says, pray for those. In Psalms 122 and verse 6, David says, pray for Jerusalem. Pray for Jerusalem. Years and years before. So not only should we pray for our, the well-being of our cities and the place where we live, we should pray for more laborers to enter the harvest. And we should pray that others may be saved. I'm putting those two together. Pray for more laborers into the harvest and pray that others might be saved. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John. And in the book of John, in chapter 4, starting in verse 30, <clears throat> 35, notice, brethren, what the Bible says. Say, say not ye, 
There are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look upon the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. This is our Lord speaking. He said, I sent you to reap, that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. We need more people laboring to enter the harvest. Matthew 9 and 37 and 38 makes a reference to this. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to be sent out the laborers into his harvest. You see, it's the Lord's harvest. You know, we, we need to have more laborers. The fields are white. When I read that passage, it always reminds me of home. In the fall, the fields are white with cotton. The roadsides are strolled with cotton as they carry it to the cotton gins. But as I look across those fields, it reminds me of that passage. Fields are white. They're ready to be taken. You know what? We have fields today, but they're not a cotton. We have fields today that are filled with people who do not know the truth. They've been infiltrated from childhood maybe with some other belief, a man-made belief that says, oh, I think that this is the way salvation comes, or I think this is how we should worship, or I think this and this and this. And it's really not, I say it's really not, it's not up to us at all to say this is how we do those things. We have to ask ourselves and read the Bible, what does the Bible say? But we have an infiltration of people who are not Christians, who don't know the truth. They, truth. they think they know the truth. They know enough about religion that they need to attend services or they need to be a part of this or read their Bible or pray or whatever the case may be. But they really don't know the truth. What does the Bible say? The fields are white. But see, the problem is, is just like we have in, the, in our world today, we don't have enough people to work. <laughs> Why our packages are delayed, while I can't get my cough drops I like, we ain't got enough people to work. Every time I go into a restaurant now, I thank the people. I say, thank you for working. It's a new thing in America. <laughs> thank you. but there's not enough laborers. Are you laboring for the harvest? Is there someone in your life today that needs to know the truth? And what are we doing to get them the truth? I want you to think about one family member today that needs to know the truth. Maybe one that you've approached before. Maybe one that you haven't approached before. 
Would you go to that one this week and say, I love you. I care about your soul. There's going to be a life after we leave this world. You and I are not getting any younger. Would you help me to help you? Or would you allow me to help you to find the truth? To find salvation for your soul? I want you to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven as well. And I want us to go together. You see, young people, if you don't have that relationship with the one whom you're dating or whom you are engaged to or whom you marry one day, you don't have nothing. If that person is not willing to help you go to heaven and be faithful to the Lord's church, you see, it's one thing to be saying, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, I go to church. But it's just another thing to truly believe it and to act upon it. We talked about families and our children this morning. And all of those comments and all of that study this morning was on the reflection of all of our children who we know who are faithful and those who are not. And I guarantee you, because I did, I sat there and I thought, I said, what about the mistakes that I've made as a parent? What can I do better? Was I too hard? Was I not hard enough? Did I teach them to love God enough? You know, those are legitimate questions we parents ask ourselves. We ask ourselves because we love our children. We want people to go to heaven. We want children to go to heaven. The labor, we need laborers. The harvest is full. Fields are white. Are you laboring for the Lord? Do you know the truth this morning? Do you want to know the truth? You see, it's as simple as saying, yeah, Brother Matthew, I want to know the truth. Will you study it with me? Will you help me know what the Bible says for sure? Because you know, I'll tell you what, that's one thing you don't want to get wrong is how to go to heaven. And young people, again, that person you date, that person whom you marry, that's one thing you don't want to get wrong. You've got to get it right. Love, find someone who loves the Lord, loves God with all their heart. You can tell. That person loves the Lord and attends services and reads their Bible and studies with you. They say, hey, let's study the Bible together. You know they love the Lord. You know. And we said this morning in our Bible study as well, young men, young ladies, if you want to know truly about a young man, find out how he treats his mama. That's a good, if he loves the Lord, and he treats his mama with utmost respect, he might be a good one. This morning, what should we pray for? We should pray for one another. We're going to end it. Pray one for another. <clears throat> you know, I 
want to go to heaven. If you didn't, you wouldn't be here. You would not be here. Our citizenship lies in heaven. It's in heaven. But our behavior and what we say and what we do here determines if we go there. Pray for one another. We as Christian brothers and sisters in Christ need each other. We talked about this this morning. We weren't made to live in isolation. We need each other. I need you. I need you. And you need me. We need each other. I need your friendship. I need your spiritual friendship in God. But when one of us does not live up to that, it discourages one or another. And maybe this morning we haven't lived up to that. Maybe we haven't said and done, or we've done said and done things that we shouldn't have done. And maybe we've been involved in things we shouldn't be involved. Maybe we hadn't been as, as, as our prayer life hasn't been what it needs to be. And I hope you young men and you younger men who are growing up, I hope you took notes on this. I hope that you have those 10 or 12 things that we mentioned. That makes our prayers wholesome. And this morning, maybe you haven't been living up to that. And you need forgiveness of sin. You need us to pray for you and with you. We'll be glad to do that. Maybe you need to become a Christian. We would love to baptize you into Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you're, you're confused. And you just say, well, I don't understand all this. And I need help. I will sit with whomever until midnight. I've done it before. To teach people the true, simple gospel. So today, whatever your need may be, we ask you to come as together we stand and as we sing.